Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology, as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Happy Virgo season. We have a kind of Virgo, Virgoan episode here. And for this episode, it's definitely an astrological episode. Not all of the podcasts here are explicitly. And you're going to want to pull up your natal chart if you don't have your placements memorized to the degree. Sometimes people think that that's crazy to know the exact degrees of your planetary placements, but get around a group of astrologers and we know our degrees. I was never a numbers person before astrology, but I memorize a fair bit of degree numbers because now I have a reason to care. So I had Cameron Allen back and we've been talking about inconjuncts lately, which is the 150 degree aspect, also known as a quincunx or also known as aversion. The inconjunct shares a resonance with the archetype of Virgo, because if we start the zodiac wheel with Aries, as many of us do consider this the first sign on the wheel, 150 degrees from that starting point of Aries is the sign of Virgo. And just as Virgo relates to things such as refinement, craft, editing, and accuracy, the inconjunct aspect can be considered as a critical adjustment. The inconjunct is not a major aspect. It's categorized as a minor aspect. The five major aspects are conjunction, sextile, square, trine, and opposition. Inconjuncts are not talked about as much, but definitely are still a thing. And the relationships between inconjunct signs can yield really interesting reflections. So we decided to go through the zodiac and offer some thoughts on all the inconjunct pairings. And you'll find out what those are if you don't already know. But one way to uh, shortcut, like what it's an inconjunct, is if you know which signs are opposite each other. For example, Aries is opposite Libra. The inconjunct to Aries is going to be the signs on either side of Libra. So that's Virgo and Scorpio. Now, this is where getting your chart out matters. I typically use a five degree orb to consider two planets inconjunct. And an orb is how many degrees away the planets have to be from an exact aspect. So if an inconjunct is 150 degrees, a five degree orb counts five degrees on either side of 150. So the inconjunct would be anywhere between 145 to 155 degrees distance. But you can also consider the inconjunct energy as it applies to having planets in your chart in signs that are inconjunct, like one planet in Gemini and another in Capricorn. What we are doing today is fleshing out our imagination around how these inconjunct sign pairings relate to one another and what opportunities each holds for critical adjustment. Another way to play with these ideas is just to consider what critical adjustments your sign may have, like your sun sign or any particular placements you um, have you could use. For example, Leo as an energy can gain a lot of mastery by working with Capricorn and Pisces, its two inconjunct pairings. If Leo works with Capricorn's discipline, it can help Leo's creative output and devotion. If Leo works with Pisces' spiritual magic, Leo can consider creativity as a gift from the universe and allow it to flow through them, instead of believing it only originates from them. 
I always think of a person accepting an award like an Emmy or something before an audience in red seats, red carpets lining the pathway to the stage, and the person accepting the award acknowledges and thanks God for how they've been blessed in their life. You put Leo and Pisces together and it's like the spiritual path of self-actualizing, surrendering to your purpose, giving your, you know, giving it your heart and asking for divine support and thanking the universe the whole way. And think too, if you're just trying to self-actualize and be your best self and you think that it's all on you and that there's no source that is running through you, it's a little bit different of an energy than if you add the Leo Pisces energies together. All the same, if you add Leo and Pisces together, that can relate to a crisis of intense self-inflation of a more negative or crisis kind of kind of like being godlike in a way that's not helpful. Or it can be a really healthful part of your spiritual path and personal development path to find the spiritual meaning in you self-actualizing. So you inflate in like a tantric dose, um, believing in your genius, basically. And see how as I'm like teetering between how could Leo Pisces energy be unhealthy and how could it be healthy that these are all like puzzles and attunements of how you can blend these in conjunct signs together in a way that creates health, wellness, uh, that critical adjustment versus what could be the crisis of these signs not working together or these signs working together in a kind of negative crisis creating way. So we'll get back into all of these in this episode. But before we do, I want to share a little bit about Cameron Allen first. After attaining a degree in psychology and working in the mental health field, Cameron discovered evolutionary astrology, which activated his interest in delving beneath the surface of earthly experience to understand life more deeply. Cameron also has a degree in health and sports science and over 300 hours of hands-on physical therapy assistant work. This traditional work met a higher calling when Cameron began to learn natural law and to study herbal medicine with the School of Evolutionary Herbalism and also became a Reiki practitioner. Cameron combines his passions in fresh ways that complement the varied healing modalities, both earthly and spiritual, to assist others in a truly holistic manner. Cameron is a practicing herbalist and astrologer who considers himself a student of the plants and planets and accesses their natural wisdom to assist in helping others grow, change, and evolve. Here's our conversation. I hope that you enjoy. Welcome, everyone. I'm here with Cameron Allen. This is one of our, like, what, third, fourth podcast? Yeah, I think it's our third one. Okay, Yeah. cool. So for those of you who haven't been acquainted with you yet, um, can you introduce yourself and let us know what you've been up to lately? Yeah, hey everybody, I'm Cameron, and I have just been, like, out here in Oakland, California, and I just got done making a course, and it's called The Health Secrets of the Zodiac. I made this course with Astrology Hub, and it's just over... Yeah, all the zodiac signs and just how that can correspond to things in nature 
and in reality in general. So that's going to also include emotional dynamics, psychological dynamics, uh, spiritual or evolutionary lessons, and also like physical health. So it's going to be like what area of the body does a sign go with? What organ system does it go with? And then I also go over herbs, crystals, and I usually give like one or two embodiment practices for each zodiac sign. And then I decondition people from the issues that come with their zodiac sign. So it's pretty uh, full spectrum there. It's pretty holistic. So yeah, that's what I've been up to and just enjoying it out here in the hills in Oakland. And it's been great hanging out with you so much. Yeah, this is like made the summer. I'm so glad that you're out here. Yeah. And yeah, hearing what you were up to with this course, it just sounds super brilliant. I'm glad that you put that together. Yeah, it's been exciting, especially just going from not having my own website to like just this explosive amount of content coming out of me and birthing within like a two or three week period of time. It was really amazing. I got some stuff going on out here in Oakland with. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking. Yeah, I have like a Mercury line for sure. I think I have a Venus and Saturn. Uh, still got to brush up on my astrocartography, but I know I got Mercury out here for sure. Yeah, you've created so much content out here. Yeah, it's been nice just writing. Yeah. So we're going to talk about inconjuncts. We like the inconjuncts. We have a lot of thoughts about them. Like, how do you feel like they tend to be defined um, and how do you define them? Yeah. So since I have been working in so many different fields now in astrology, I've heard it been talked about a lot of different ways. So the first way I've heard about it was like in medical astrology. So in medical astrology, the inconjunction actually is something that people pay attention to a lot because it tends to cause illness, right? So it's like when somebody, like when two planets are in conjunct each other, they create, yeah, they create issues with the health. Just like if you think about Aries being the, the ascendant and the sixth house being Virgo, there's just a natural in conjunction there. And then even thinking about how people say that the sixth house is the house of health, you know, there's a certain shape and angle that comes with being in conjunction. And that's 150 degrees in that case. And that's going to happen no matter where it's at. Right. So if Aries in the first house, when it gets to Virgo in the sixth house, it's in conjunction. If you take Aries and now you place it in the fourth house, it's still going to be in conjunct to Virgo. So no matter what happens, it always has that natural relationship. So I always think about, yeah, so issues of illness. And then uh, in traditional astrology, from my understanding, which I'm still learning a lot, they consider it an aversion, which is essentially just like you don't see it. So I've been taught from traditional astrology perspective that people don't necessarily pay attention to that aspect as much. But also from like evolutionary astrology perspective, uh, I know that I got from Simon Vorster, he calls it uh, a need for necessary adjustments. So, yeah, I call it critical adjustment. Yeah. So those those are the three that I think of. And there's so many more ways to look at it. Um, yeah. But I always think of crisis. There's always some type of crisis that's going on with the conjunction. And I think it's important to think about how. It is an aversion, like they say in uh, traditional astrology. And like in, to be an aversion means like you can't see it. But um, until now. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's the one thing that I want to bring up to people just as an open invitation. It's like, yeah, you can't see it, but we're astrologers. So we actually can see it. 
So just like inviting people to maybe tune into that aspect more. And I know I've heard people like teachers that I've had too. They say like, nobody comes to you for an inconjunction. Nobody comes to you, you know, and I'm like, well, yeah. Also, no one comes to me for unconscious bond, blind spots when I was like counseling people, right? Like this, not <laughs> like you're like, oh, I can't see that. Can you tell me about that? Right? It's like we don't see it. So I just think that there's an attunement that we can have to it that's just important. Yeah, totally. So we're gonna go through all of the in conjunct relationships and come up with some things that might be some magical reveals of things that were previously blind spots and now you can see them. Yeah. So let's start with Aries and Virgo, the classic. Yeah, Aries and Virgo. Okay, so the way I look at this one, just to, and I'm just gonna talk about things as they come up and not be so technical about it. So when I think of Aries, I think about instinctual primal energy, right? So if I have instinctual primal energy, I want to be free. I want to be unhindered. I just want to rise in the moment. I want to birth something new. Well, that's kind of different than the Virgo energy that wants to analyze things, right? So that's a crisis, right? If I want to at one point in time birth something new and act instinctually, but I also want to analyze that's a crisis. Like that's how I look oh, at that. Oh <laughs> yeah. That's like the procrastination before launch. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. That yeah, makes total sense. Like analyzing everything and not taking the step. Yeah. Ooh, what do they call it? Oh yeah. They call so I haven't heard somebody, I don't know who said it, but they call that like analysis paralysis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so then how do they work together? Oh, how do they work together? Uh, <laughs> The way I work with it, I will say from my perspective is I always think of, I mean, I'm only analyzing things based off of when I mess up. Like that's the way that I look at it. So Aries being like a trial and error process for me, right? It's like, I'm going to just do it. See what happens after a thousand percent. Yeah. So I'm going to try it out and then yeah, analyze it afterwards. Um, Or on the, on the other side of that, right. As a potential, it's like knowing that when I'm analyzing I can say I can use discernment in that analysis and then maybe next time I can make that adjustment to allow myself to just like instinctually act. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or have use your analysis to take action. Right. A thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Uh, Aries Scorpio. Aries Scorpio. I love this one so much. Uh, Even just yeah, hearing that it takes me like into my like. Kind of sexy. Yeah. Yeah, it takes me to that, like, into the depths, right? Like, or even just thinking about, like, evolutionary astrology, it takes me into that space. And, yeah, there's always going to be, from my perspective with those two signs, a crisis between how I'm instinctually acting as, like, my conscious desires. And when I say conscious in this way, it's not like, I'm aware and I'm conscious. It's like, I'm so conscious of it that I'm not thinking and I just do it. Like I was saying with the Aries energy just birthing in my unconscious desires, right? Those two things are always going to be needing adjustments because I might be acting out without knowing what I'm doing, but something deeper inside is unfolding inside of me. And yeah, based off of how I'm acting it out, it's going to create some sense of power or powerlessness in my reality. Yeah. I mean, okay. So as an Aries son who's dated predominantly Scorpios, (laughs) I, 
I'm aware of this uh, in conjunct, but like also even like earlier, like almost, yeah, early 20s, like Googling like Aries Scorpio compatibility. And it talks about how Scorpio will always win, which pisses me off as an Aries. (laughs) But it says that basically Aries will just act rashly and, you know, in the heat of the moment. Mm -hmm. And Scorpio is going to be more calculating and decide the right time to strike. And I think that that really aggravates the Aries, if I might speak personally, but I think also more generally. Um, whereas like the brashness and just like lack of maybe finesse with timing is also really annoying to the Scorpio, um, coming from the Aries. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel that. Yeah. But yeah, they're both ruled by Mars in traditional astrology. So, right. Yeah. And I was thinking about that. Uh, and I was thinking about, uh, Aries to Virgo and thinking of how the Aries rules the adrenal glands. And if, your adrenal glands are overactive in Virgo. Your digestive tract won't work properly. Um, and then also you'll get constipated and be full of shit. Just like um, <laughs> Scorpio energy can get like that because it's just like holding on to the fixed water. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, thinking about it from like a multifaceted lens. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fair to say in general that the inconjuncts are attracted to each other. Like a lot of these like Aries Scorpio is kind of like one, but like Gemini Scorpio is another that has that kind of like um, aura of mystique around it. So we'll get to that. Um, What about Taurus and Libra? Taurus and Libra. Uh, Yeah. When I think about Taurus and Libra, I always think about this thing in evolutionary astrology they call the essential needs the essential needs formula and how Taurus would represent the inner reflection of Venus, the inner side of Venus. So it's like, what do I feel inside of myself? What is my resource that is internal, right? What is my value? What is my worth versus like the outpicturing of that, which is like the external side of Venus, which would be Libra. So it's like, what resources do I need outside of myself to connect and also to me, I look at Venus a lot of times as like the need, the desire to survive, but not in an Aries way, but just like, hmm. Yeah, it's still like primal, but it's like, it, it's more solid and it like actually knows what it needs to survive. Uh, yeah. There's a lot I could say there, but what do you think? Well, one of the images that I have for Taurus and Libra is someone who's like chewing food and it's like so loud that they can't hear the conversation that they're having. (laughs) So that sense of like being like in your own um, sensory experience or your own kind of like self-involvement and not able to connect. Mm. Um, But at the same time, it's also that like critical adjustment if we're in connection and we have a really strong sense of self-awareness around what feels good to us and what we like, then that can also support our connections. Yeah. I like the way you frame that. That also makes me think about the, the, like the crisis or the need for adjustment would be like, if I have this sense of value or yeah, self-worth or my values inside of myself, sometimes when I bring that to another person, I need to make adjustments. Right. So I don't like outpicture that or project that onto another. Right. That creates oh, right. crisis. Like I value this now give it to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that's one thing that comes up too with that one. <laughs> yeah. Anything else for that one? Yeah. Actually thinking about those two and being like Venus ruled and 
just thinking about how Taurus would rule like the thyroid and like the metabolism, not as a whole, but like the regulation of the metabolism, just, yeah, like the, the metabolic rate in general and how with the Taurus energy can tend towards being stagnant. And if it gets stagnant, then that affects the kidneys, which is ruled by Libra. So that, that in conjunction, there's a crisis there. If your metabolism isn't high, you're not, um, if you're not, if the fluids aren't moving in your body, and I say that because kidney, the kidneys are ruled by Venus, then yeah, things get stagnant and it just creates a crisis. Yeah. Hmm. It's cool having this extra layer of like the health stuff to add. I love that. Mm-hmm. So Taurus Sag, Sagittarius. Yeah. Taurus and Sagittarius. I like this one. Yeah. What do you feel? Well, I think it's indulgent. Like I think that Taurus and Sagittarius, mm-hmm. like they both really like lavishness mm-hmm. and in slightly different tones, like Taurus is kind of maybe more about like the Venusian things like food and fashion and like beauty. And then Sagittarius wants to have more and have adventure. And I think that they like, like glamping, like glamour camping is like their favorite, (laughs) like would be the best way to put them together where it's like a sensual outdoors experience. Um, And I feel like their main point of clashing is that Taurus needs a lot of rest and like wants to just like stay and like enjoy and be like fed grapes basically (laughs) and Sagittarius wants to like go and do a bunch of things and um I feel like those energies can be kind of tense if like you're needing a lot of rest but you also have this need for adventure and like how you combine both of those beautiful yeah I love that that makes me like want to be quiet right now because that was so nice uh (laughs) so but I will add to it and I'll say that Yeah, just those two, even in traditional astrology, being ruled by benefics and um, just a reflection of the benefics, not necessarily looking at it from a perspective of that they're good, which they would be considered good in traditional astrology for sure. But the fact that they build things right, like when we talk about creation, we talk about building or destroying. So the malefics destroy and the benefics build. So just yeah, Taurus and his tendency towards stagnation, it's like it's building too much, like it has too much. And then also with Sagittarius, and that can in the Sagittarius has a co-rulership of the liver. And yeah, that could just be like it's easy to have too much going on. And when you overindulge, it gets stagnant and you can have thyroid issues, or you can just have too much going on in your liver. Hmm. Yeah. Overindulgence. All about it. <laughs> No, there was that time where we were talking, we were having some kind of conversation. I was like, yeah, I'm kind of like overindulgent. And then you looked at my planetary hour of like when I was born and it's like a Jupiter planetary hour and it was like prone towards overindulgence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just like right there. Yeah, I have, I have that too. Yeah. It's all right. I love uh, it. <laughs> uh, Gemini and Scorpio. So that other kind of like fatal attraction energy yeah oh tell me more about the fatal attraction well okay so it's scorpio has that fatal attraction thing i guess Mm -hmm. inherent in it but i think of that with scorpio and aries i mean low-key from personal experience Mm -hmm. (laughs) but also i just think that it's like a really steamy combination and i've heard stories from other people to confirm it and whatever so but then gemini scorpio there's 
I just noticed like a lot of memes around like these two are not allowed to date. And there was like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. I just like that. Um, there's something about how Gemini constantly mutates and it's just like constantly shape-shifting and Scorpio wants to get to the bottom of something and understand and know. And Gemini can also lie pretty well. Like they can just generate information. And so not all Geminis are liars, but like they definitely have that mental faculty to be able to like fabricate or invent or generate information. And Scorpio is a detective. And Mm -hmm. I think that somehow it's just like Scorpio can never figure out Gemini and Gemini, you can't pin them down. Like mm-hmm. they can go places. It's like Mercury is the psychopomp and can go to the underworld. But I think there's this sense of like, are you really there? Like, wh- who are you? That I think like Scorpio just wants to know and can never find out. And maybe Gemini likes the goose chase. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels so resonant. I love that so much. Yeah, I can definitely say that about the Gemini energy. Um, cause I have a Gemini moon and that feels really real for me. Um, I also will say that, yeah, just from like an evolutionary astrology perspective, uh, or that psychological uh, framework, I think a lot about just our society and how Gemini's is about like how we label things and, you know, the way we mentally organize things and Scorpio can be about empowerment. Right. And so the way that we label our reality decides what is empowering and not empowering for us. And that can create a crisis. If I, if I say that I want to identify myself as Cameron, the tall black man, blah, 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 you know, and somebody else wants to identify me as something that, yeah, just like, even just thinking about being black, like somebody identifies that as like having um, like a less than quality to it. Right. It's like my labeling of reality can empower me when I'm looking in the mirror, but then when I go out into the world and everybody else is labeling reality differently, that can like give me a sense of like powerlessness. So like knowing the difference, but just knowing how we label things in our life for ourselves and how reality is labeling things. And that can create, yeah, a sense of empowerment or disempowerment. I had something else that came up, but it slipped my mind. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And that's kind of like, magic and like calling things in and Mm. how we how we choose to frame things like what kinds of language we use yeah oh yeah what i was going to say was um there the inherent crisis that occurs between gemini and and scorpio is that i label things in my brain how i want to and how i see things And sometimes that can be taboo or other people say like it's wrong. And that would be like the Scorpio energy. So, yeah, things that are like mm -hmm. taboo labeling. Mm -hmm. That's and interesting, though, like this is making me think like, what if that's not kept secret? And so Gemini is just like blabbing and talking and there's like some disempowerment that comes from it versus when you have an inner narrative that's empowering and totally private. Mm hmm. Like different ways of, you know, and also like a lot of social media content creation, I think is like playing with that edge of naming something that people don't talk about, but everyone feels. And so because you name it, everyone, there's like a magnetism. Yeah. Yeah. But if you name something that's way too taboo, you can like get yourself in trouble. Right. Right. And that's going to bring crisis and definitely necessary adjustments. 
Yeah, for sure. A lot of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Gemini Capricorn. Oh, yeah. So that, yeah, that's even more like where the adjustments are going to be had because based off how I label things, that might make somebody else feel um, judged. Capricorn, right? Like, so my words might make someone else feel judgment. And that will be from, you know, just different perspectives, Gemini. But if I have a concrete, crystallized way of viewing reality and I'm trying to like find my own personal authority, then somebody else's labeling of things, yeah, it might make me feel disempowered. So, yeah, there's some, oh, I've had so many things with that. What do you think about it? Uh, so Gemini and Capricorn together makes me think of branding and mm-hmm. like formal communication advertising, like language mm-hmm. that's used for a like structural purpose of like, there's a formula uh, of how to do this sales pitch or write this sales page. And then it's going to have this result. Um, I've noticed in charts, like a lot of people who have kind of graphic design careers or some kind of like media career, mm-hmm. there's a Capricorn Gemini. Cause it's like knowing how to use language and knowing the impact that your language Ooh. is going to have. Yeah. And that's the like critical. But I think without that adjustment, it's just kind of like, maybe more two of that Gemini like running their mouth and then coming up against these walls of like consequences and being (laughs) dumbfounded. Like why, you know, or you could have Capricorn that's like, um, from Capricorn's perspective being kind of like set in their ways, maybe a little bit rigid and needing that Gemini energy to like loosen things up and consider things from different angles. Mm. Um, but then there's also you know, the possibility of having a rigid perspective and just using Gemini's intelligence to like find all these rationalizations. Um, so it's a little bit of testing out, like how do your ideas form consequences and are you, do you enjoy those consequences Mm -hmm. or would you want to change them? And maybe you might enjoy them, but maybe society at large doesn't, you know, like if you're just like in your own world, but the rest of the world is like, what are you doing? You know, yeah. like then you're going to get that feedback eventually. Yeah. I do get that feedback is what I would say. Cause, <laughs> <laughs> Cause I have, I have my Mars and my, my Uranus in conjunct my moon and Gemini. So all that you just said, like that just like click some stuff in for me. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was really good. Yeah. I cool. love that. <laughs> Anything else on that one? <laughs> I'm just digesting what you said. <laughs> it just hit me. But yeah, I, I think I um another quality to it does have to do for me is like a very childlike energy, which is like the Gemini energy versus like being emotionally mature about it. So it's like sometimes the crisis could be that um I play too much, but um the play for me is serious. So hopefully I'll make adjustments to like be able to be emotionally mature about the play. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what about like making kids who are fidgeting pay attention in school? Like, let us condition you, behave, do everything in the right way. And like the fidgeting one who's being more Gemini like, it is a power struggle with the authority. Definitely. That's a crisis for sure. Yeah. Even just thinking about kids and communication and that, that power role that parents play, like the parental conditioning and saying, like, you can't say this, you can't do that, you can't. Yeah, just go run around like crazy and just play. Yes, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, good points. Yeah. So, Cancer Sagittarius. 
Ooh, this automatically thinks, oh yeah. This automatically makes me think of so many people who emotionally identify cancer with their beliefs. Hmm. Sagittarius. Um, yeah, it's such, this is such a big, uh, in conjunction here. Uh, yeah. Cause so many people do that. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. In the day and age we live in, just thinking about like religion and, and how people, yeah, just their, their emotional identity and their, and their self image is completely wrapped up in their little, little lowercase T truth. So yeah, that that's, that's prominent for me. Wow. That's more elegant than where my mind first went. I was just thinking of this like really awkward kind of like just bursting into the scene totally like awkwardly like energy because I feel like cancer is like the shell and like kind of being in your comfort zone and Sagittarius is going outwards. So like it just had this like <laughs> like that's the sound effect <laughs> oh, <I love> that. <laughs> yeah. and like that was like like I was just seeing like chickens running around <laughs> oh my gosh yeah I can totally see that and even uh, like yeah that makes me think of the times in my life where yeah, just like haven't felt safe enough to speak my truth kind of thing going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like... Because it might not be. Right, yeah. But me, personally, I would do that sound and say something. <laughs> like, it'd say something and it'd be awkward and, and then I'd have to, like, take a step back, right, to, like, adjust that and be like, hmm, like, maybe I should have said it this way, like... Yeah, this is, like, Thanksgiving dinner politics conversations. Wow. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> Even thinking of like cancer being like the family, and then yeah. during Sagittarius season, it's like when we all get together and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. yeah. The beliefs you pick up from your family. But I wonder too if there's like, as far as the critical adjustment, like a way of becoming emotionally attuned to a cosmology or to a way of life. Um, mm-hmm. So that it's not just like this small identification with lowercase t truth, but like some kind of um, nesting inside of like a really big worldview. Because Jupiter uh, as Sagittarius ruler is uh, exalted in Cancer mm-hmm. too. So yeah, yeah, which yeah, which I found has can be can be good and it can be problematic. <laughs> just yeah, because I can I can experience myself as like taking my, my emotional identification with things and that being big end, right? It's like becoming so big. Yeah, just like excessively big. Um, don't know where I was going to go there. So, mm. yeah. <laughs> I feel like this like ripens in old age of being like the person that like you're like the elder or something and like all the, the kids and the young ones like come to you and you like make them tea and food and just like talk Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Just like nourishing with wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, just like all like the pouring out uh, from being like older or like the wise teacher sits and pours out its wisdom to nourish the young. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cancer Aquarius. Oh, yeah, this just took this takes me so far into like when I worked at um, an emotional youth uh, facility and just, yeah, the way that uh, we take on things from our family and how that can just be. Yeah. So thinking of Aquarius, a lot of times in evolutionary astrology, 
they look at that as a potential trauma signature. So that just brings that up for me, like the emotional identification that we have and how much do I emotionally identify with what happened to me when I was younger? Because if I do that excessively, then that creates a lot of disempowerment potentially if I'm too attached to it. Like trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the crisis being like, can I take a step away from who I think I am to be able to resolve something, to find some type of empowerment from the disempowerment that I had experienced prior to? It also makes me think of like in the yogic tradition or in yoga or in general, they, they talk about the witness consciousness hmm. where it's like I, as Cameron, my emotional identification, cancer, am witnessing this, right? Objectively, I'm, I'm witnessing it. And that can be very empowering. And that's not to say that we should detach or disassociate. So just before anybody thinks in that way, I'm not saying that. Witness consciousness definitely has a different quality to it. It can be seen like that, but it's definitely different. Yeah, well, I guess like that witness consciousness could be help for some of the crises, crises involved with Cancer Aquarius of like being sensitive cancer to all this information. I feel like it's like when people go online, check their newsfeed and get emotionally inflamed because there's a sense of like, how do you navigate emotionally all the data that you're picking up from like vast, you know, the internet is kind of like an Aquarius space. But what if you just have like a highly attuned nervous system? And if you do start to attune your nervous system and you get more psychically awake, then there's certain things that you have to not let in and let in your membrane, which I feel like it cancer is, you know, mm-hmm. it's like what you let in. So when you start getting really sensitive psychically, there might be some foods that you can't eat anymore because you feel them you mm-hmm. feel the consciousness of, you know, it might be particular animals, like either you don't eat animals at all, or there's certain animals where you just, you know, like there's that sense of having to figure out what information you actually want to eat and digest. Totally. Well said. Yeah, I love that so much. Uh, it also makes me think of a more like, I guess we could call it like an esoteric way of looking at Aquarius. And from my perspective, because I have I have had experiences where like I feel like aura fields or like, let's just say electromagnetic fields around people. That's a better way, a more grounded way to talk about it. So it's safe here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like always trying to like make sure I'm like. I'm like, oh, just in case people don't want to like tune into that, like (laughs) I made the adjustments. (laughs) That's my Gemini, like that's my Gemini and Capricorn right there, right? Like I had to make like adjustments to like the way I label things based off of like the social norms. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you Um, do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So just thinking about like the aura field and how that's like the unique individual blueprint that someone has around their energy field. And somebody not might not emotionally identify with that, but on some level, it's actually more them than what they identify as from my perspective. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It's like beyond their current incarnated ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. totally. So yeah. yeah, then you have to adjust with that. That's like the whole like being your higher self, like is merging your personality or your ego with a more transcendent version of you that has access to more information from more lifetimes. Thousand percent. Yeah. 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 Love that. Um, so on to Leo Capricorn. I love this one. Yeah. So this is <laughs> like, I love that. Yeah, yeah. This is serious play. So yeah. that was the thing I was just doing about the 
play and the evolution of alternate realities for the Purpose and Power Summit. So I did this research on Robert Bella's book, Religion and Human Evolution, Um, which long story short, there's this connection between mammalian play and religion, which is such a context for human society. Like we've evolved with religion and the way that there's a consensus reality, which is Capricorn, what's normal. And then you can just play. And when you play, if you weave that play back into normal reality, if you normalize it, then it becomes a new thing. So I think anyone that, um, you know, this podcast is play, but it's also now part of the real world because it's like uploaded and people can listen to it. So that kind of thing. But like, um, there's so much that could be difficult with Leo Capricorn because you have like, first, a lot of shame, like both Leo and Capricorn have tons of shame stuff going on. Like Leo people, I don't think realize that right away. Cause Leo's all about like being yourself and shining bright, mm-hmm. but yet we shame the fuck out of that. <laughs> like you're narcissistic, you're self-involved, like get off the stage, throw tomatoes at them. Like that's the Capricorn, you know? And then there's Capricorn. It's like, there's all that shame about like, you know, behave, like be a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, put your head down. Like it just has this like, you know, work. And then even like a parent who's like yelling at their kid who's playing. And it's also like something I feel like for parents that just are with kids all the time, it's one thing if you're, you know, just with a kid for a certain amount of time, but when you're with them all the time, not every time they're playing, are you going to be in this hard open, like, wow, like, yay, like go for it state. Sometimes you're really annoyed and it's like, Hey, you need to put on your shoes. We're going somewhere. Mm -hmm. We have to be there at a certain time. And you're trying to like kind of wrestle these like cubs (laughs) into like getting their shoes on and being normal and like participating in society. And it's hard for them and they don't want to do it. Leos don't like to work. They, they just don't, (laughs) they would rather like shine in their creativity and have a team around them that takes care of all of the the work. And they just like, get carted to where they need to go in a limousine, you know? Yeah. And so, but I do think that the two of them, when they work together and like really heal that shame and like having the right to exist, having the right to like, not even necessarily just the right, but the moral necessity to be yourself in this reality, like that can be like, also like, I think a lot of people who have like Leo and Capricorn in their chart have this, um, charisma to them that's pretty powerful and like very channeled like they're they're on it you know yeah i, feel I that. just went off <laughs> yeah i love that yeah i love that so much and i guess to add to that um just thinking about something about something that's i talked to somebody recently oh yeah you know avery from yeah. kimia arts yeah, yeah. yeah i would consider him on this podcast i forget yeah. what episode number but yeah you can plug it in at the end. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then, but like he was, I was talking to him recently about like integrity and how it's about like to like leave things as they are. Mm. And just like thinking about like how Leo's just love to shine and how that becomes a crisis in, in Capricorn. Like some, maybe like a remedy there is to just like leave it as it is and just like let it shine as it will. And yeah. Yeah not interfere with it. Can you explain more of like this, leave it as it is? Cause I think it's really profound. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say as eloquent as he does, but it's like, I know it's like, um, integre, like is like the root of it. And it just really just, to, yeah, pretty much just leave it as it is. So 
for me, the way I perceive it is that from the Capricorn perspective is like, I am my own personal authority and I'm answering to no one. And I am just being as I am in this moment. So I just express myself from that space in that space only. So I just leave it as it is. Like I'm not feeling, um, yeah, emotionally insecure about it, which would be the opposition to cancer. Um, I'm not worrying about others, which would be the square to Libra. And I'm just acting out of my own instinctual force. Um, and that would be the square to Aries. So just, yeah, yeah just integrity, just leaving Talking it as it is. Hmm? From Capricorn to those. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. From Capricorn to all those placements. Yeah. So just leaving it as it is and just being present and solid and yeah, in that. Yeah. yeah. I think there is that sense of like, okay, if I'm going to put myself out there, I have to be good enough. And like, that's kind of part of the crisis. And then even once you put yourself out there, it's like, am I good enough? And mm-hmm. just kind of like, yeah, leaving it be like mm-hmm. that. If that dynamic is there, like if we're not shining, there's shame about it. If we are shining, there's shame about it. So just let it be. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And that's like, a direct like opposite I feel like of worrying about being judged or like even how they say in the 10th house they say it's about like your public reputation and I'm like well internally I feel good and okay so I'm gonna leave myself as I am and just go do my thing yeah. and not worrying about my reputation or external judgment nice yeah. so that's yeah I think that the two of these can be super regal like they have like the royalty of Leo and the kind of like stately like composure of Capricorn yeah yeah um so we just have two left two pairs because when we get to Virgo and Libra we've already addressed them and before so we have Virgo Aquarius yeah so Virgo and Aquarius um just in my practice because I did start um when I started doing consultations at least I mean I was working a lot with like Mark Jones's work and the way that a lot of times he looks at Virgos, like a lot of times there's just a energy that could be like feeling like, like a sense of victimhood or mm-hmm. feeling like projected guilt. Like people essentially, I always envision as like someone pointing a finger down towards another and someone internalizing that, right? Like not feeling good enough. And I know a lot of people don't like the sixth house to the <clears throat> Virgo correspondence, but when someone feels a crisis inside themselves or like they're not good enough, usually they have a tendency towards feeling like a slave or like a servant, right? Like less than. And that is just really strong. I've seen in a lot of, yeah, black women's charts that I've done because that's mostly what I've worked with in my time doing consultations, like 95% black women. There's just like a strong sense of, yeah, feeling this underlying sense of I know that I'm good enough, but I don't feel good enough. Right. And then that being from like a sense of Aquarius being like the subtle mental trauma, it's like collective trauma from the mind stream. And this is the mind stream that you use when you use the rulership of Uranus, uh, the mind stream. So from the mind stream of black people as a collective, right, there's this sense of subtle trauma that we have internalized some sense of shame or like being less than. And that is something that comes up for me when I think about, yeah, when I think about that. And then I also think about the nervous system and how 
Virgo will rule the mesentery system. A lot of people haven't heard of that. The mesentery system, which is just like the organization of the digestive tract as a whole. And then also just the, the, the nervous system as a whole throughout the whole body and how those two things work together. Yeah. And there's so much more that could go there with that. I'm hoping to do like some studies on that. Um, especially when I get back to Memphis, I've talked to some people about it, but yeah, that's my reflection on it, which is pretty, I've never heard anybody talk about it like that. So just wanted to offer that up. Yeah. So it's like the, our thinking patterns and like feeling less than connected with a mind stream. So like a grid or a matrix of thought and Mm -hmm. trauma and like collective inherited trauma Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. It's like the imprint of the blueprint. So even if you think uh, if people have never heard of uh, Rupert Sheldrake's morphogenetic field theory, um, every species or like, so it's like, if Oh, there's a species of ants and, or like all ants have this thing about them that they share. And then all the fire ants share something. And then all the black ants share something. So it would just be like, from my perspective or my frame of reference right now in this present moment, as I see it is the collective information in the mind stream of African-Americans. And I'm specifically seeing it in black women because that's who I work with in their sense of knowing how powerful they are, but feeling less than on a subtle level. And I want to talk about it because I want to get rid of it. And that would be me analyzing it from Virgo and trying to liberate anyone who hears this in this moment from that in Aquarius. Hmm. Oh, yeah this is um i think with like virgo and aquarius like subtle attunements and adjustments because virgo is the inconjunct like virgo Mm -hmm. is making these adjustments um and aquarius being like the grid of consciousness that we're attuned with and how there's all these different radio stations and channels and we can tune into them at will but the ones that are the most popular are kind of like hit songs on the radio where it's just like they're playing everywhere and you have you have to hear them all the time whether or not you want to digest them because they're just there and it's like figuring out how to turn that dial down and turn up another dial of like another data stream that you want to absorb Mm -hmm. yeah i feel that yeah that brings up when i think of virgo i think about discernment a lot so yeah that word discernment comes in there really strong Yeah. yeah it's kind of even like being on a, um, Ari Moshe has talked about this as like spiritual masochism, where it's like when you're on a spiritual path and you're like, I wasn't good enough. And like, mm. or like I ate, you know, non-organic food that wasn't like, <laughs> you know, whatever. So having all this guilt for like not doing it good enough. And I think, uh, I have a lot of like part of what's really formed a lot of my thinking is working with Abraham Hicks and law of attraction kind of stuff and like getting into the vortex of your chosen frequency. And so if your frequency that you're tuning in with is um, self-love and then you're like, I'm not good enough at self-love and you're like, you know, then it's like, oh, wait a minute. Like you can like change that frequency. So it's like that subtle, like, getting increasingly more and more accurate about the frequency that you're wanting to tune into. Beautiful. Well said. Yeah. And one more thing I think I have with that too, uh, not that specific, but that in conjunction is how Aquarius can be like a community or a group. And 
how we have this thing called groupthink, right? And just like how the collective or like a group of certain group of people are thinking in in conjunction to um, Virgo would be like needing to discern for myself what I think it is instead of like going with the group. Yeah, so just another yeah. reflection there. Beautiful. And then our last one, Libra Pisces. Yeah. Libra Pisces. <laughs> when I think of this, yeah, and this is not just the, yeah, this is my reflection on it. Um, and there's so many more. I'm going to start with the physical body. So from my perspective, I work with Pisces as the lymphatic system. And then Libra is the kidneys. And from the way that I view it, and I've worked with cleansing and stuff like that, it's just like, yeah, the lymphatic system You can get rid of it through the skin and many other things, which Libra co-rules the skin as well. But it's also like you get it out through the kidneys. Um, So something about that, too, is like when you think of water regulation, a lot of times we think of the kidneys. But really, the lymphatic system is the greater expansive version of that. And I guess I think of that as like kind of like love, like how love flows. And like there's like this little love that's in like Libra. And like it's in the kidneys and it moves around. Um, and when we don't feel loved, we feel fear of like, um, yeah, it's just fear in general. But but the lymphatic system being like the all encompassing, unconditional love that flows everywhere. And it's like no space is not within it. So, yeah. Could have articulated it different, but yeah, that's the way no, I look at it. No, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first place that I went was not as profound because <laughs> I thought of SpongeBob and Patrick for yeah. like anyone who's watched SpongeBob, just like going back and forth saying, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? And going yeah. back and forth and just like not making a decision, which is just like really silly. That's not as, not as profound as what you said. <laughs> I love so this idea of like... So it is so cosmic love in Pisces versus conditional love in Libra and conditional love not actually being a bad thing. Like, I think that we might judge it as such and be like, oh, unconditional love is better. But in terms of like human relationship and deciding who we want to build a life with or who we're willing to be in relationship with, if you're just like open armed, doe eyed, like everything's perfect. It's actually like a recipe for disaster and like abuse and just tolerating whatever. So Libra is going to come in with like justice and Mm -hmm. deciding like, you know, judging basically um, saying yes or no. And Pisces has that more kind of like, whimsical cosmic like everything's good mm-hmm. energy to it so of course if someone's excessively judgmental or like hasn't really tuned into a deeper cosmic love where they consider other people like what can they do for me and they're yeah. thinking about people in terms of roles that they play and just having this really limited relationship versus when you love someone for them whether or not that means you're going to be in their life or not yeah well said yeah and that makes me think of like yeah like what is like when am i seeing somebody for who they are um and when am i just projecting onto them versus like when am i unconsciously projecting and i don't even know like you'll save me right exactly (laughs) Uh uh-huh yeah that would be like the more piscean one for sure so yeah great reflections yeah so for people that have like in conjuncts in their natal chart, like based off of this and just like moving forward, like 
what do you think is a good way to like activate and, and conjunct in a natal chart in a positive way? Yeah. So the way I look at it is <clears throat> we only have crisis when we need to make adjustments in our lives. So just if you have uh, in conjunction in your chart, just check it out and think about the way that you think about the two signs, right? Like how do you think about cancer to Aquarius or whatever in conjunction we were talking about and you in taking your own lens and seeing what you could come up with and like allow yourself to like find a way to embody that in your life. Or I usually invite people to tune in just by what I just said. And I like always guarantee like you will eventually see, like you'll see when a crisis comes up, you'll be like, Oh my gosh, this is totally that. Like, this is that uh, areas to, to Virgo they were talking about. Like, I totally feel it and see it. So, yeah, just allowing your life experiences to inform you in your own creative way based off of your lens of the Zodiac to become alive and make those adjustments. Nice. Yeah, yeah I love, like, how subtle it is. Like, it's definitely, like, getting into the chart in a deeper way. And yeah. it's not something that we really look to a lot of the time. Right. Yeah. Especially in an astrology world where a lot of times, yeah, everything has to be seen. Um, even though uh, I'm just going to go on a small rant, even though that's kind of illogical, it's actually irrational because 99% of everything is space and we can't see it. And that has more power than matter does on some level. So that's something to think about too. Yeah. Hmm. So one thing I guess before we go is thinking about like adjustments and perfection versus imperfection. So all of this comes back down to Virgo and like accuracy. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just think it's really interesting. Like what Virgo has taught me is like, um, alignment and this process of coming back into alignment after straying, like making an error, having necessary humility, coming back into some state of integration or like working with that energy. So there is something about crisis that kind of can be like a loop where we create more crisis. Like let's say we're intaking a lot of data that's not good for our mental health and we just keep taking it in, you know, cause we don't like, there's this necessary kind of like detoxification that can happen with Virgo. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's like one kind of like maybe like magic <laughs> turnaround for all of it, which is like if we're in crisis and we're trying to fix everything all of the time, then we might kind of like continue to create more situations to fix. Yeah. There's like a kind of just listening and patience that I think can come out of this too. Yeah. The way I talk to the Virgo energy in that way, I always say specifically like you're perfect. But that doesn't mean we're not still perfecting things, right? Like I would say, and I always look to the plants to teach me and show me things. So the way I look at it is like lavender. It's a perfect plant as it is, but people still make essential oils out of it. And so that distillation process is like, yeah, refining it, refining it down to its essence, um, which is taking it through like you have to put it through the fire to get there because that purification process is real. But that doesn't mean that anything's wrong with lavender. It just means we're distilling it down to its essential essence, the essential oil. So, yeah, Virgo energy and people with Virgo placements, you're perfect. And I know for sure you're going to be the one that keeps perfecting things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
So speaking of like helpful adjustments, I feel like you give really good advice and you like laser into like do this breathing exercise or something (laughs) that creates a huge impact um, for anyone that you talk to. So how can people get in touch with you and work with you? Yeah, um, you can follow me on Instagram at cadream6. And you can also just shoot me an email. I'm still working on my website and I'm taking my sweet old time with it. So you can shoot me an email at cadreamplanet at gmail.com. Cadreamplanet at gmail.com. Definitely. Like if you want to talk about health and astrology, like. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I've been doing like some really, really cool, like speaking of necessary adjustments, just like remediation things with people it's been really really helpful and it's been amazing yeah you're super innovative with that thanks yeah Yeah. it's been super fun and it's been pretty pretty on point um can't say it's perfect because we're always making adjustments but we're perfecting it and that's what we'll do with the remediation so yeah hope to talk to everybody soon awesome thanks so much cameron yeah it's always a pleasure Cameron is my favorite. I loved recording this conversation and I hope that you gain some things, some meditations, some epiphanies, some things to further reflect upon about the inconjuncts and maybe the ones that you have represented in your chart, if not by exact aspect, um, just a by sign inconjunct. If you have Taurus and Sagittarius represented in your chart and feeling into how those energies work with each other and can relate to some critical adjustments um, or some validation that you've already been working it. You know, either way, I hope that this episode was helpful for you. And if you've been enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you would leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. If you take a screenshot of your review before you click submit and email it to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com. I'll take down your email address and send you a free gift that I'm working on when it's ready and it won't be too long. Okay, everyone. I hope that you have a beautiful Virgo season and that you are being super kind and forgiving and gentle of yourself because tuning into what we want to improve and refine can become shame spirally. And at the same time, there is a way to work with Virgo in this kind of like Zen conscientiously tending to life in a loving way kind of thing. And even though I know this, um, I can still find myself in both and, um, it's just part of being human. So, you know, craft and refinement, um, the engine does not have to be how wrong we are. Like we can start from a place of already being worthy already being whole, you know, and then keep building and keep refining. That's what, that's what we do when we love our craft. We keep building it. So I hope that you have a beautiful week and I'll catch you next time.